You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am Rev Yearwood, President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. And I am Mustafa Santiago Ali, Senior Vice President of the Hip Hop Caucus. And welcome to our radio show and our podcast that delivers real talk on climate change and environmental justice and all the issues that are on your mind. So, you know, no sides here. Just the facts and stronger communities. I like that. I like that. I also want to thank uh, WPFW 89.3 using these beautiful studios uh, to host this amazing show. And all of our supporters particularly want to give a shout out uh, to those at the League of Conservation Voters and the Union of Concerned Scientists and all of our friends in the environmental movement. Um, Just a big thank you. I mean, we've just been hearing how this show has uh, just taken off, and we appreciate that, and we truly love you. And you can check us out uh, on our show's blog, and we know a lot of y'all have been checking that out. You can go to think100.info. One more time for that. Think100.info. I like that. Yes, sir. And also, be sure to follow us online at Think100Show and at hashtag think 100 And go ahead and submit your questions now using the hashtag Think100. They help us to frame out our show. They help us to also make sure that we are staying connected to the issues that you care about. I just want to get into this because um, today is May Day. So shout out for all those who are, are, for those in labor, man. You know, thank you for what you do for us. We appreciate you. Um, You know, you've been amazing. Uh, You know how much my mom doesn't hear me say amazing. Um, even, uh, as long as you um, don't say huge yeah no 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 we're not going to say that at all but we will say that labor is amazing but today is May Day but there's a kind of a sour note a little bit um, there, first of all that there's a powerful note that all around the country people are out marching and you know fighting for a living wage fighting for equal pay um, it's a shame it's an atrocity that women do not have equal pay that has to change in the 21st century but also in Puerto Rico, I mean, we are getting close to hurricane season. And today, Puerto Rico went on strike. Shout out to our good friends at Uprose, Elizabeth Yampi, and others who were lifting this story up. But in, in Puerto Rico today, they were marching. Just listen, they don't, they've had power outages. It is so, I can't even go into how much they've gone through. But today they were marching, and on top of that, they were tear gas, and some of them were beaten, and some of them were put in jail. So we, we, we haven't got all the details yet on what's going on in Puerto Rico, but we will get more of those, and we will be with you in spirit. Mustafa, what's your shout-out today? You know, Rev, I got a couple of shout-outs we want to make sure that everybody's aware of. I know most folks have been watching the news with all kinds of craziness that's been going on, but a part <laughs> of that craziness has been continuing over at the Environmental Protection Agency. Okay, now, what's going on over there? Yeah, now, you know the Environmental Protection Agency is supposed to protect public health in the environment, but the new administration has been having a very difficult time in doing that. And folks have been running for the door, Rev. 
that's actually like the place is on fire. So you had <laughs> Albert Kelly. Uh, I guess it got too hot. Uh, he was leading the super fun uh, process over there. You know, some of the most toxic sites across our country. And he decided to exit stage left. Now, that might be because Administrator Pruitt has some ethical uh, problems that have been mm. going on, along with some other actions that, that seem to have garnered a lot of attention up on Capitol Hill. And then also the person who was in charge of his security, uh, Pascual Nino Porrata, um, also decided that he was going to resign uh, and to move on. So I hope everybody continues to stay focused on the agency that has that distinct responsibility for protecting your health and the environment, especially our kids. Um, so everybody stay tuned to see how much longer and how many other folks decide that that's no longer a place that they can do their job properly. And that's unfortunate. I mean, that's truly unfortunate because, I mean, our upcoming guests, and we're going to come to, coming in the show later on, so stay tuned. Mom's Clean Air Force is with us today. It's going to be it's going to be popping. But they were also with us not only here in the studio, but with us in the streets. I was with them just last week. We were outside EPA, and it, and it just breaks my heart. They had the babies, as they always do, <laughs> and I think it was bring your kids to work. But they always had the kids. I don't know if it's every day is bring your kids to work. I always see Miles Land Force with the beautiful children, but it was sad because you look at the children and you realize that, man, folks, just do your job, man. Clean air, clean water is a civil rights issue, and the fact that you are there and don't understand what this means for the next generation, it's a sad yeah, no doubt about that. But, you know, let's go ahead and sort of transition to some positive. Okay. So recently in Pittsburgh, and I, I was blessed to be out there and be the keynote speaker, the Heinz Endowment and the P4 Conference. Mustafa Travels. Well, you knew, that's been a new thing. I mean, Mustafa, where is Mustafa and Mustafa's <laughs> Travels? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep up with me, man. You know, I'm all over the place. But this is, was an interesting conference that they had. The P4 conference stands for People, Planet, Place, and Performance. Um, and that's important as folks are starting to think about future cities and the direction they have to go. We also need to make sure that our most vulnerable communities are a driving force in that process. That's right. Um, and we also want to make sure, as we often highlight on this show, that folks of color are also in leadership positions to help to make sure the decisions that are being made are also going to be beneficial uh, to communities. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Heinz Endowment, to the folks who helped to put together the mayor of Pittsburgh, and, and also all the folks who put the P4 conference together um, and uh, making real change happen. So we're very, very pleased that the folks continue to move in that direction. And then one last one I'll shout out I want to give uh, is to Creighton University. Now, Creighton University is in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm. And uh, sometimes Omaha might not get as much attention as they should. For those of you who are students of environmental history, you will remember that the Asarco site, which was the largest toxic site, uh, Superfund site in our country was actually located there. So for 20 years, Rev, folks have been fighting to get that cleaned hey, Mustafa, up. For folks who don't know Superfund site, explain that for now. Yes, yeah, so Superfund is some of our most toxic sites. So it may be lead, it could be arsenic, it could be a number of different chemicals that have been left over from industrial operations. And in many instances, people are being exposed 
uh, to those chemicals. And the interesting thing that dynamic that we have now is because of climate change um, and the floods and, and heavy rains and other things that now are part of the mix. In many instances, sometimes those toxic chemicals now are moved uh, in, in great distances and even more exposure is happening in that space. When you say move, you mean like move, moved or they get like into the water chain? Gets into the water, gets oh, into man. the land sometimes, you know, also with dust and, you know, with these uh, mm. droughts that we have, things could also be blown up now. So, you know, that's why we need to have a strong EPA, both on the federal and state level to make sure that the proper types of enforcement and cleanups are happening to protect in many, many instances, our most vulnerable communities are the ones who are located closest uh, to these types of situations. So just a shout out to Creighton University because they're focused on health disparities, especially lead. Um, and they brought together just an all-star cast of folks from across the country to talk about not only impacts that are happening in our communities, but also how do we help to revitalize communities? How do we help to create the right types of jobs in communities? How do we better help to impact and lift up the voice of our most vulnerable communities? So I'm very, very thankful to them uh, for continuing to focus on these disproportionate health disparities that continue to happen in communities of color, in low-income and working-class communities, and also in indigenous populations. Man, I love that. I love, that's, I love, I love the good news. I, I love the good. I love, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> in these days and times, you know, you like a little bit of good news. You got to have some good news. Got to have a little bit. We got a lot of bad news, but we got this is good to have a little bit of, a little bit of good news. But yes. I got some more good news because coming up right now, Today, we have an amazing leader in the green movement. Ken Kimmel is president of the Union of Concerned Scientists. They are leading science-based nonprofit that combines the knowledge and influence of scientific community with the passion, I do mean passion, uh -oh. of concerned citizens to build a healthy planet and a safer world. Ken has more than 30 years now. 30 is a good long time, Mustafa. Yeah, that's a long time. You know, you've been working at EPA for 30 years, right? No, sir. Okay, all right. 30 years, he's been experienced in government, environmental policy, and advocacy. And he is a national advocate for clean energy, transportation policies, and a driving force behind UCS's Union of Concerned Scientists Power Ahead campaign to build a large and diverse group of clean energy leadership states. Without further ado, Ken. Hey, Reverend, I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this show. For those who are listening and, and haven't heard of, as we call UCS, the Union of Concerned Scientists, um, UCS, the Union of Concerned Scientists, was founded in 1969 by faculty and students um, at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which is in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, it is an amazing organization. I will stop there. Ken, for those who don't know about UCS, um, give us some background on, on that on that organization. Sure. Well, as you said, we were founded in 1969 uh, by scientists at MIT and Harvard, and they had a simple but really powerful idea which is let's put the power of science to work in solving some of the world's most pressing problems wow. instead of creating new problems. So we work on climate change. We work on nuclear weapons. We work on a sustainable food supply. And these days we're particularly focused on making sure that science is not sidelined by people in power who have uh, interests that are not ours. I know that's right. I know many people, folks are saying um, uh, science, not silence, which is one of the mantras that we've been, we've been hearing. Um, but 
one of the things, if you can give a, a little bit of history, I, I was when I looked at when UCS was created. It was created um, in 1969, and I say that because it was created before the EPA uh, was established, the Environmental Protection Agency, and it was also a time when a lot of organizations in the climate movement were were being established, LCV, NRDC, so many of these amazing groups. But it was after when Nixon had just uh, been elected president. So you would think an, a, a Republican president is elected, uh, the Green Movement would kind of fall back. But instead, UCS kind of came on the scene. What was it at that time, almost 50 years ago, that, that, that propelled, I get these students and these faculty to be involved? Well, I think there were a couple of things operating. I mean, I think one of the big things from UCS perspective was the way in which government was uh, enlisting scientists mm. to build more bombs, to build more dangerous weapons, to build more destructive weapons. And faculty were offended that their skills and talents were being enlisted for that purpose. So we uh, founded UCS to push back against that. And as I said, to use science for uh, better purposes. But there was also, um, you know, this toxic environment. We had rivers that were catching on fire. Mm. We had all these hazardous waste sites that were being created and nothing was being done about them. And the students and the faculty and others were crying out uh, for solutions. It had become apparent at that point that we needed to do that. And then, of course, we were in the middle uh, of the Vietnam War as well. And, and that was a symbol of a misguided military effort by the United States. So I think it was all of those things and the youthful activism combined that uh, created UCS and, and various other groups that were founded, as you said, around the same time. Wow. Well, you know, Ken, we are still at war, <laughs> um, and um, we still have pollution, um, still dealing with Flint and other situations around the country. Uh, is uh, UCS still concerned? Are the scientists still concerned? Uh, the scientists are still concerned, and in some ways, uh, we're even more concerned than we were then. <laughs> well, and that leads to this, because I know for me, one of the things that you guys have been have been working on, which is so important. And I guess for me, this really kind of boils down to, you know, we have been seeing and hearing about Donald Trump and Scott Pruitt. Man, there's so much stuff, but just them trying to roll back the standards that President Obama put in place to make sure that cars and trucks could get more miles per the gallon. What is all that about? Well, Rev, thank you for asking me that, because I think this is one of the biggest uh, climate change environmental fights that we're going to have during the Trump administration. And it hasn't gotten all the attention it deserves. But the, the bottom line is this. Your, your guests may be, your listeners may be surprised to learn that uh, when we talk about the biggest source of carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases that are overheating. And for those who don't understand, give me a little background. What is carbon dioxide? What, what, is, what does all that mean? Sure. It's a gas uh, that when it's emitted, it goes up into the Earth's atmosphere and it traps heat. And mm. so it's responsible. It's one of the main gases responsible for what we're starting to see, which is uh, rising temperatures, rising sea levels, and a host of environmental problems that wow. come when you, when you heat up the planet. Uh, the surprising thing is that uh, now the transportation system is the biggest source of those gases. So the cars, the trucks, the buses we drive are, are creating or putting more carbon pollution into the atmosphere in the United States than even like our power plants or our industrial wow. manufacturers. So we've got to get a handle on this problem. And President Obama, to his credit, 
came up with some very sensible regulations that basically said the car companies need to work on getting their cars more efficient. So the car you buy next year will get more miles per gallon than the car you buy this year. And by doing that, we can reduce the amount of carbon pollution that comes from our cars and buses and trucks. Um, not only that, Reverend, the other beauty of this is it saves people money. Most definitely. Well, if you get more efficient cars. Thousands of dollars uh, <laughs> that they don't have to spend unnecessarily mm. on gas. Um, so what's going on here is this. The standards came in two phases. The first phase is coming to an end. The second phase is going to start in 2021. And unfortunately, uh, the Trump administration and Scott Pruitt, it's, are, are seeking to roll back the second phase of the standards and to stall out the progress we've been making on saving people money and having less pollution because they want to weaken or perhaps even eliminate the next phase of these uh, efficiency standards. Man, it's, that, that, that's, that's, this, so this is the, these are the kind of reasons why we have to have this show. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Think 100% the coolest show on climate change. I'm here with the president of the Union of Concerned Scientists, Ken Kimmel, and he just gave us some information that, you know, again, it just, it just, it just, it just is astounding how we just keep doing things to hurt not only our planet, but to hurt the people on the planet. I mean, there's sensible regulations, um, you know, with, with these car standards, and, just, and I guess, Ken, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. I guess sometimes some, some of these things, you know, I understand, listen, you know, you want to, sometimes I can maybe understand, you know, they have their own perspective, their own, you know, their, only, their, their own reasons for doing things. And sometimes I can say, well, if I was in that position, but some things just don't make sense because this to me is just a lose, lose situation that the fact that we have, uh, 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 we can create these car standards that can be beneficial for our planet that can cut away from our pollution, that can help us transition from fossil fuels to clean energy, but on more importantly for those, just regular joke. Um, and regular Josephine, <laughs> that we can be in a position that, you know, we can, we can have cars give us more miles to the gallon and we can, we can put money in our pockets. What, what, why, what's the pushback? Why would they be doing this? Well, it's a great question. You know, I, I'll, I'll talk about the Trump administration for a minute and then I'm going to talk about the car companies because they have a role in this whole thing too. Okay. okay. So he, he, here's how I see it at the, at the Trump Scott Pruitt level. It seems to me the formula is take anything that President Obama did. And do the opposite, even if it's a good thing. Do, do the opposite. So if Obama says two plus two equals four, they say two plus two equals five. Mm. Second component, don't worry about the people who are the most vulnerable in society, who mm. are the most protected by those sensible regulations. And third, come up with some junk science to validate what you're trying to do. What do you do. mean when you say that? Yeah, so let me, let me talk about this a little bit. So when I talk about junk science, a uh, little bit of background on these car standards that okay. maybe, maybe would no, be that, good for people yeah, to definitely. remember. Uh, we've been in this movie before. Back in the early 2000s, the car companies all made the decision to build big gas-guzzling cars. And for a while, they were pretty popular until gas prices spiked up. And consumers decided, hey, I can't afford cars that you know get 10 or 15 miles on the gallon. We've got to do better than that. Um, that almost brought Detroit, the big three auto companies, to their knees. And in combined with the recession, some of them even went into bankruptcy. Mm. And a deal was struck, Reverend, back then that they were going to get some help from the taxpayers, get them back on their feet. But in return, they were going to build more fuel-efficient cars for everybody. 
um, so that we'd never be in this position again where, where we're building cars that people can't afford to drive. We did, our end, we did our part of the bargain as taxpayers. They got their help. Now they're back on their feet. They're having record profits, uh, record employment. But now some of these car companies want to change the deal and weaken the standards that they agreed to. And unfortunately, they're putting out a lot of misinformation about how much it's going to cost or how many jobs will be lost, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's funny, if you take those statements, you can see that they have a long history of saying that whenever we want them to do so that. Pattern, is a pattern. Yeah, when we wanted seatbelts, they said they couldn't do that, or airbags or catalytic converters, you, you name it. They, they have really quite a record of saying they can't do things, and then when they're forced to do them, they do them just fine. And this is just like that. So uh, they have some of the responsibility here because they encouraged the Trump administration to reopen these standards and take another look. Um, but... But I guess so right there. So can this I'm just confused because I, I've seen there's some car companies that we know of that are that are beginning to understand one, you know, the importance of finding solutions for climate change. We we, we we're seeing there's some companies so it this it just doesn't make I know this is a whole go back thing. I I get it. This is you know, we want to go back here and do this. Is it is this simply about money? Is this is this are they is this literally putting pollution before people, uh pollution and you know and their profits before people. What what's the rationale? Because I I mean and I'm not even still I'm still I still understand what what I guess Scott Pruitt and 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 President Trump are doing um, to want to make this happen, but what's the rationale for them to these car companies to kind of go backwards? Yeah, well, the rationale they give is that they don't think consumers are really that interested in fuel efficient cars, and that it's mm -hmm. going to cost too much to uh, build them to get really efficient. the The problem with that is too. The problem with that argument is fuel efficient cars are very popular. People love being able to get more miles to the gallon. Everyone notices that. It's, it's one of the top things on their mind when they think about buying a car. And, and second, um, they, as I pointed out before, they save people money. Right. If you buy a highly fuel-efficient car, even if you spend a little bit more on the car, you spend less on gas, and the moment you leave the, the lot, you're saving money. So that's the bottom line here. Um, and, you know, as you pointed out, some of the companies aren't as opposed to them as others. They're, they're not all exactly on the same page. But the problem is they took the genie out of the bottle by asking uh, Trump to reopen these standards. And now uh, Trump and his buddy Scott Pruitt uh, may go a lot farther than even they want to go in terms of rolling back these standards. And so really all of us got to fight back hard on this. And so let's talk about that a little bit, um, the fight back part. Um, well, actually, before I get to that, because I, I, I know a little bit about this. And so for those who are listening, we're talking about you know the car standards. And I'm here um, with Ken Kimmel uh, from UCS, the Union of Concerned Scientists. Um, we're having a conversation literally about this continuation, this attack um, on things that protect us. And one of those things that was put in place by President Obama, it could have been President Bush, it didn't matter who was, who was put in place by it, it was put in place to protect us and to make sure we have a cleaner planet and that we have cleaner communities. And so we're sitting here now, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just blown away. I'm, I'm always, just, every single week when we do this show, the coolest show on coming to, I'm always just blown away. Um, we don't lack for content, Ken. <laughs> you know, that's one of the, we don't, we don't, unfortunately with, uh, with, with this administration, we don't, we don't lack for things to, to discuss. So I'm just, 
And and so, you know, on one side, you know, it's I guess. So what is some of the solutions? Um, you know, would it be simply and, and, and what can we do on the federal level um, or, or the state level or the local level to make sure these costs that stay in place? Got it. Well, um, there is going to be a public process that this is going to go through. Scott Pruitt can't wipe out these standards with a stroke of a pen. There's going to be public hearings. There's going to be the opportunity to comment. And so I think it is absolutely essential that we have a big, loud, united voice of people from all different backgrounds saying, wait a second, we liked the deal that we struck under President Obama. We want cleaner, more efficient cars that will cost us less to drive. So, so that's, that's one piece of it. Um, a, a second piece, though, is to put some pressure on the car companies themselves and demand that they get out there and say that they supported those standards uh, back when Obama was president, and they still support them. And maybe there's some tweaking we can do. Maybe there's some flexibilities they need to make it more palatable. That's fine. But we've got to insist that companies like General Motors and Ford and Toyota come out loudly and say, we're not in favor of rolling back these standards. And then the the final point I want to make is, in many ways, Scott Pruitt is using uh, people of low income as kind of a political football. Because if you read his document, he says one of the reasons he's rolling back these standards is because the cars are going to cost, you know, low income people too much money. And we got to uh, see through that and recognize you might spend a little bit more up front, but you get savings in terms of less fuel costs right away. It's kind of like buying one of those LED bulbs. They're mm-hmm. more expensive to buy, but they last forever. And so you spend a lot less on light bulbs than you than you would with the old version. So uh, we really need a big, strong, united coalition to pressure both the Trump folks and the car companies to say this is unacceptable. We are not going backwards. Well, Ken, man, I, I got to have you back on the show. I, actually, man, I have one. I have one, one last question for you. I just want to make sure it's in because we talk about the cars, but I want to have the trucks <laughs> off the hook here either. I, I could, yeah. You know, what about... Uh, this controversy over glider trucks. and What's all that about? Yeah, so this is so crazy, Reverend. There, there are these old, old uh, truck engines that are on the road that don't meet today's pollution standards. They're like 20 or 40 times more pollution than current engines. And for all these years, they had this big loophole, which is they would, they would put new uh, truck bodies around <laughs> these old engines and they would be exempted from meeting the pollution standards. So President Obama decided to close that loophole once and for all because it's totally unfair. I mean, why should just from a competitive position? Um, and now Scott Pruitt, kind of the same playbook, undo whatever it is Obama did, wants to undo that um, and allow these old engines on the road that, as I said, are massively more polluting than the clean engines that are made today. So we've really got to um, fight this. I, I want to point out that the most vulnerable people to this are the people who live along highways, mm. the people who already are burdened with excess pollution, the people who already have higher incidences of asthma and heart disease. And the idea that we're going to allow these old uh, engines to, to stay on the road when everyone else has to uh, be clean is just outrageous. Well, Ken, man, I want to thank you. If folks want to get in contact with the Union of Concerned Scientists, how, how can they find you and this amazing organization? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, the f- easiest step is to go to our website, 
ucsusa.org. Uh, we'd love to have you stop by and visit us and, and love to work with you. And can we, we have you back, man? I mean, you know, you're pretty cool, Ken. You know what I'm saying? You're all, you're all, you're all right, man. You, you did pretty good on, here on Think One Number Set, the coolest show on climate. We had to have you back so we can discuss uh, things like electric vehicles and how we can broaden their reach. There's some other things we got to talk about. So will you come back? It'd be, my, it'd be my pleasure to come back, and you calling me cool is about the biggest compliment I could possibly get. It is. Man, you are listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Man, thank you. Thank you so much, man. Looking forward to our, our, new, our new roommate, I guess, so to speak, <laughs> with Afro Pop Worldwide after the coolest show on climate change. And that song you just heard, at the break was City of Lead by the Dayton family, and Flint still doesn't have clean water. Four years and almost a week and a half later, Flint still doesn't have clean water. If there's anything that people should have been outraged at at the, uh, the correspondence dinner, it should have been that line that Flint still doesn't have clean water. So, uh, joining us in the studio are two amazing leaders from Moms Clean Air Force. Uh, we have Heather McTeer Tony. She's the senior advisor for working with local government. She's also a former mayor. You know, I'm from the South, y'all. So she was the mayor at down in Greenville, Mississippi, and making it happen down there um, as well. But now she's with Moms Clean Air Force. And also we have Molly Rausch, who is the National Director for Public Health and Policy for Moms Clean Air Force. And let me just say this, y'all, that Moms Clean Air Force is like a true, like this, this is a, I mean, they got it going on, going on. They have over one million members, and it is a major force when it comes to making real change at the local, the state, and federal levels. And for our listeners who don't know, uh, Mom's Clean Air Force and your over one million members, can you tell them, one, who you are and about Mom's Clean Air Force? Who wants to go first? This is Molly. Thanks so much for having us. Um, so who are we? We're a national community. As you said, we have over a million moms and dads. We are united against air pollution and climate change to protect our children and protect our health. Um, we provide our members with information and solutions through our online resources and our articles, through our action tools, and also a lot of different on-the-ground events. We work across the U.S. We have a vibrant network of state-based chapters, and we work on policy issues, as you said, at the local, at the state, regional, and federal levels. And our moms, they meet with lawmakers at every level of government to build support for solutions to pollution. I like that. Solutions to pollution. I like that. Mm-hmm. We might have to put a little hashtag. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Solutions <laughs> to pollution. The thing is that protecting kids' health, that's a nonpartisan issue. We think of ourselves as mom-partisan. I like that, too. Y'all, 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 y'all got a couple good things here. Like, uh, <laughs> so we meet with folks from both sides of the aisle to let them know that clean air and a stable climate are urgently important to us, and we won't compromise on those things as parents. So 
we are using the power of mother love. You know, we're mama bears. We mm. care about our kids and we have a lot of power in that energy. And when we leverage that, we can really come together to make good things happen. Heather, you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Actually, as I'm curious. What it, so I, I love, so I, I get the clean air and I get the clean air force. So I, if I just put all the, is, that, is, that, is that that easy mom's clean air force? Is that just where it came from? Where's that? Where'd that come from? How did that name uh, uh, come to being? We're a force, you know, I like, like I said, I like we got this energy, we're <laughs> harnessing it, we're not afraid to be strong, and um, we're, we're uniting with moms from all different backgrounds, and um, so it just came out of this desire to really harness that energy and work together in a unified way. I like that. Heather? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rev. It's, it's wonderful to be here. Um, great to be with you all here in the studio at Think 100. And first, let me just say thank you for doing this. It's so wonderful to hear this voice come across the radio and reach so many people across this nation with a message that we all need to hear. Because climate impacts every last one of us. It doesn't make a difference who we are, or what we look like, or what our background is. Right. It impacts us. So thank you. And to my dear brother, Mustafa, uh, Santiago Ali, who I work with at EPA, uh, it's always a joy to be in the room with you. Uh, and as Molly said, you know, we are a force. Mom's Clean Air Force is exactly that. It is a force of moms, dads, grandmas, aunts, uncles, the entire family coming together to do what's important, which is protecting our children's health and protecting us from air pollution um, no matter where we are. And so we're really, really excited about our new Moms and Mayors program. This is what we're kicking off next week with our Mama Summits, because as you all have talked about on this show, uh, as the previous guest has talked about, there's a lot of stuff going on with this new administration that is right. not helping our children at all. And we recognize at Moms Clean Air Force that while we have uh, a lot of leverage and we've been doing a lot of work on the federal level, we also have a lot of pull on the local level, too. And so we're pulling our moms together. We're asking them to connect with their mayors right there at home. And we're going to kick it off with our mama summits uh, all next week in uh, 10 cities across the United States of America, asking our moms to, hey, go to your city hall, connect with your local government, with your mayor, with your city council member, um, because mayors are stepping into this void that's been created by uh, the Trump administration. I think we can all agree that there is certainly um, a hole that has been created and we are not willing to let our children fall into that hole. Mm -hmm. And so this uh, void that has been created by the administration, we're so proud to see our mayors from across the U.S. step in uh, as we saw them step up with the, the Paris Climate Accord That's right. Mm -hmm. and say that even though the United States has pulled out, uh, we will not. And we're going to uh, have our city stand up. We're, we're proud to stand with our mayors as they make uh, that type of action and to put our members behind it. So uh, that's a, a bit of the basis behind the moms and mayors, uh, asking our million moms to, to get with their city councils and to talk about what and how we can impact climate at home. Mm -hmm. Well, we've some more about that, but Mustafa, I know you got a burning question you want to get to. Well, you guys are both amazing leaders in the movement, and we thank you so much for all that you're doing. Can you talk a little bit, help our listeners 
and our viewers to have a better understanding about your personal experiences that brought you to this work. Now, Heather, of course, I know you are a former mayor, so maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about that journey and why you care and are so committed to these issues. You know, like Rev said, I'm, I'm, I'm from the South. I'm a Mississippi Delta girl, mm. and I come from um, one of the poorest countries, states in the Union, but also one of the poorest parts of one of the poorest states in the Union. And I've seen environmental justice issues up front, whether or not it's the brown water that we dealt with in Greenville, Mississippi, or the, mm. um, the agriculture plants that always uh, had some type of uh, issue that was in the air, or as I know, um, back in the day, back in the back in the day, uh, when people... Say that, hold on, Elvis. I'm about to miss that now. I don't know if y'all, some y'all, some y'all don't about to miss that. Say that one more time for the, the good folks. The, 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 the back in the back in the day. Come on now. <laughs> when um, people who uh, were in the Delta, particularly black folks, had to stand out in the fields and be the people in between the rows that would let the uh, the planes, the crop dusters know which role they were on. Mm. And so just the things we've been sprayed by mm. uh, and that history in my community has always given me uh, a passion for working in the air area of environmental justice and particularly issues that impact the communities. So uh, as mayor, I worked on these issues, and, and uh, my entry into environmental work came through Lisa Jackson, who came to my city. Say that name again. Say <laughs> Lisa, it again. Lisa Jackson. Lisa Jackson, <laughs> uh, who came into Greenville, Mississippi, and encouraged me and got me in, involved into EPA. Uh, and from there, I, I eventually served as the regional administrator for EPA in the southeast region. And uh, throughout the entire time, though, staying connected to community and staying connected to children, what really excited me about Moms Clean Air Force um, was their passion for not just our children, but for all children. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, you know, that's something special. And I think Molly, you know, she, she said it best. We're mama bears. And, you know, it doesn't make a difference whose child it is. We're going to protect that child. And I have three of my own, one that is almost two years old, and I have taken with me on the hill. So he's been one of the ones that's been running around in T-shirts and tearing up a senator's office. But, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's what's important is I'm concerned about his future. I'm concerned about my daughter. I want to know that they're going to be in an environment where um, they don't have to worry about the things that we should be doing now to protect them and not just them but their friends their cousins uh, molly's kids the other parents that are with mom's clean air force we're concerned about all of them and it's what drives us to do this every day mm -hmm. molly so i have a background in public health so i kind of came to this from this academic perspective of having worked in this policy realm of public health. And um, when I became a parent 14 years ago, I started to see climate change in this really different light. It suddenly became an issue. You know, I had known about it for years, but it suddenly became an issue that was an issue I had to own. Because as a parent, my job, when my daughter was born, my job was to protect her and to safeguard her future. Mm -hmm. And climate change fundamentally threatens her future well-being. Mm -hmm. And so it suddenly, when I became a parent, it suddenly became a very personal issue. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's been an honor to be able to use my background in public health to work on climate change for the benefit of parents everywhere. I'm from New York. I'm an urban girl. I grew up in the city and I saw how a very, very highly urbanized, very polluted environment 
environment could be improved over the decades thanks to really strong federal action, bedrock pollution protections that helped our my family and uh, millions of others in the New York area over the years. And so I saw that there were solutions to this that we could demand, that we could ask for. And the thing about the solutions to these problems, they're all going to benefit our families. Mm-hmm. All the solutions to climate change, they're going to make the air cleaner. They're going to give us better jobs. They're going to safeguard our kids' futures. So as parents... We need to be fighting for these. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I want to let you know that if you have some questions and comments, the best way to do that is hashtag Think 100. That's hashtag Think 100. I know some of you have been trying to ask some questions. That is the best way to hit us to hit us up in that process and i just want to kind of follow up here um with the mama bear i actually i got a mama who i think would be great for y'all i think my mama would be fantastic i know she's a <laughs> listening to the show and you know i know she but but she 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 she, she, she don't let go so i want to i want to because y'all make me happy because i just know when mamas are on the case mm-hmm. you know that i know that you know that y'all y'all won't let go won't 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 be about Democrat or Republican. It will be about mamas and humanity. So I want to thank y'all for that. But I want to kind of go back to what I heard about this new moms and mayors program because this is also about shaping policy, and we know that either you shape policy or policy will shape you. So tell the good folks more about literally I, I kind of want to get more into you, you kind of mentioned it but I want to get into that about why we are going to mayors um, and, and then for folks I'll get more into that there in September we have the big uh, global climate summit coming up there and we'll talk more about that as we get closer to that but why is it important to be operating on the local level and the state level but also on the federal level, why why are mayors important? You mentioned a little bit about the we're still in, which was regarding the Paris Agreement and the Paris Accord. But why is it important for mayors and important for those uh, types of um, elected officials to be part of this movement at this stage where we are now? Absolutely. Well, you know, right now, the federal government is in the process of rolling back air, water, and climate protections. And as a result, we know that all of our children, the health is on the line. Uh, At the same time, mayors are rushing in to try to fill that leadership void. And they're doing it every day by developing innovative solutions that support renewable energy, that address climate change right at home on the local level, and they protect our children's health. And so it's so important for mayors. Give us a couple of mayors who you give us on top of your head. Some some mayors of some cities that are doing that. Well, I think one of the probably the, the one that comes to mind first is in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I like I like I like where you go with this now. You know, I like that. <laughs> because keep it keep it to the south. Keep it southern on y'all. <laughs> keep it southern on on us. But the city of Knoxville, Tennessee, it's it's interesting because I I was listening to them in Chicago. They had a, a mayor summit in Chicago, and she was one of the mayors that was featured. And one of the things she talked about was you don't think about Knoxville. Tennessee is a place where you're going to ultimately be the bedrock of climate change and sustainability. But they have recognized that this is not only uh, important for the future of their community to develop climate resiliency. And the city of Knoxville has a mission to reduce greenhouse gas emissions within the city by reducing um, and looking at the impact on city buildings, um, energy efficiency. And they have a a mission to reduce it by 20 percent by 2020. And as of last year,
last year, they were already at 15%. And not only is this helping um, the city mm. of, of Knoxville, this is also uh, helping them economically within their community because it is bringing innovative ideas that are um, business engines into the community. It's creating green corridors throughout the community and really uh, taking advantage of the fact that we want to breathe and live clean air. So it's automatically a place that people are looking to know that they will have sustainable, a sustainable future housing, education, business development right there in Knoxville, Tennessee. And it's a great example of how uh, it's a place that you wouldn't automatically think So folks think are fighting of. poverty and pollution at the same time. At the same mm, time. I love that. And, you know, the mayor has said, hey, uh, even though this is not a place you would think we would be focused on it, it is. And she joined together with the mayors um, of the other top four cities in the state of Tennessee, Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville. Um, I'm missing one. I cannot think of, but it's okay. <laughs> but they all said we are going to stay uh, in. We're still in and we're going to focus on sustainability in the state of Tennessee, Miami, Florida another community that uh, has dealt with a lot of climate resiliency issues. Most definitely. Um, they have had the brunt of hurricane force winds, um, sea, high sea level, and at the same time, they uh, are home to a number, a very diverse group of people, both culturally and economically. Uh, and they have uh, both the city council and a mayor who has said, we want to focus on climate resiliency within our community. Explain that for folks to understand that aspect, climate resiliency. What does that mean? So climate resiliency is making your community, in essence, resilient, mm. resistant to climate change. Mm. It's using innovative ideas that say on a very basic level, when we have hurricane force winds come in, are we using the most sustainable product um, and materials in order to not only protect ourselves, but that are renewable and are um, putting us in a better position to rebuild if we need to. And it's, it's smart when you think about it. It's just, it just makes sense. Why would you go back and put something in that was just destroyed when you know there's a better product that's better for us that exists? It makes sense. That's right. And so that's the conversation that we at Moms Clean Air Force and through our Moms and Mayors program are um, really encouraging our moms to go and ask their mayors, do we have a climate resiliency plan? Uh, when we talk about emergency preparedness, how is our city going to respond to an emergency, keeping climate solutions in mind? Um, I think there's another aspect of this that I would love Molly to talk about a little bit, and it's the public health side of it. That's right. Because, you know, we can talk about our cities protecting us and the climate resilient piece of it but at the same time our children's health is is huge and there are things that cities can do um, that not only help us to uh, protect our children's health and, and molly can tell you a bit more about this like with um I i'm thinking ordinances and just different things that uh communities can do but the, the health piece is so so critical uh in all communities uh, particularly low-income and minority communities but i'm Throw it over to Molly. <laughs> no, Molly, Molly, please, please tell us, tell us about that aspect of, of this work. So public health experts worldwide have declared climate change a global emergency. Mm. This is a public health emergency. It is threatening the health of our people, of our civilization, and children are the most vulnerable to those health impacts. And we're seeing that already, and these are going to get worse. And these are things like just 
heat, straight up heat. Children are more vulnerable to the ill effects of heat. Um, but there are also things like pollen season. Pollen season's getting longer and stronger, and this is um, affecting people who have seasonal allergies. Um, wildfires are getting longer and more frequent and more more intense, and wildfire smoke is a major health threat. Infectious disease vectors like mosquitoes and ticks are getting into new areas and infecting people with different diseases. And air pollution is also uh, projected to get worse under climate change, because mostly because of heat, but from other issues as well. Now, air pollution is something that we know is very harmful to children's developing bodies. Um, it interferes with lung development. That's right. It triggers asthma attacks. It causes premature birth, low birth weight, lung infections like pneumonia, bronchitis. And then among elders, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a known cause of stroke and heart attack and emergency room admissions and premature death. Air pollution is unhealthy. So these, all of these issues, these issues are more um, intense and there's a greater burden of all of these health issues in poor communities and communities of color climate change is just going to magnify that so molly when you so this let me just say this so what you're saying to the people listening to this show right now across this country you're saying that climate change has a direct correlation with people's health and on top of that that if it's if it remains unchecked that particularly the most vulnerable children and elderly could have either more chronic conditions or worse could die. Yes. Whew. That's that's that. So 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 then tell me. So this is why the force is the force, and this is why you, why moms, Claire force is relentless. And try to what policy then are you moving right now to try to push this tide back? Well, one of the things we're working on, you heard about earlier, which is really fighting the rollback of the clean car standards. Um, the pollution that comes out of car tailpipes is dangerous. We don't want to breed that. And it's also helping to fuel climate change. And the car standards are in place. They're working. They're saving us money. They're cleaning our air. We don't want them rolled back. So we are putting pressure on the car companies. We are uh, participating in the public comment periods, in public hearings. We're talking to lawmakers about this issue. We want clean cars, and we want to save money at the gas pump. I mean, that's hel that helps families everywhere. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that we've been really focused on. Yeah. Can you all t uh, share with our listeners how people can plug into your work and any of your social media or your website? Absolutely. Well, we're on social media on Twitter at, at Clean Air Moms. Uh, we are uh, online at www.momscleanairforce.org. And our Moms and Mayors program is a slash moms dash and dash mayors. But if you just go on the site, <laughs> you can find us at momscleanairforce.org. And one of the really great ways that people can get engaged, particularly next week, when we're going to be doing our mama summits again, encouraging people to go out to their city halls, is we've created a toolkit right online. So you can go online and um, download information about how to contact your mayor. You can get information on if you want to write a letter to your mayor, how to write a letter to your mayor. You can have um, details on what's your first meeting going to be like. Um, we've tried to make this as mom-friendly, dad-friendly, 
friendly, period, as possible, just so that people have the information at their fingertips um, of going and meeting. And we want them to let us know. So there's contact information there so they can give us the feedback. Excellent, well, excellent, excellent. I think well, that was some of the mayors who were uh, blowing yeah, their horn in support. That was it. Well, I want to thank y'all in advance. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you no, so man. much. And thank you for Moms Clean Air Force. Um, we want to thank y'all so much um, for listening um, to the coolest show on climate change. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100, think 100, think 100.